0: Welcome to For the Love podcast with best-selling author Jen Hatmaker. Come on in and join us for a chat with Jen and friends about all the things we love. Now, here's Jen. Hey everyone, it's
1: Jen. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the For the Love podcast. We're in a really cool series that I am loving so much, uh, where we are wrapping up for the love of food. And it's been so great. And it's not just about food preparation. So if you've been listening along, you don't even have to love cooking to have loved this series. It's just about so many other things about gathering and about hospitality and about uh, our history with food and about health. And um, it's just been great. And so one of my favorite things that we do on this podcast for every series is we crowdsource an episode, we basically say, Okay, so we've lined up these guests for you. But who do you know that we should know that should be on this series. And so this is our crowdsource episode. And you guys, I have no chill about it. Because every time we've done this thus far, when we crowdsource these episodes, and we're supposed to pick one, Right, that was the initial plan. Let's pick one guest out of all the submissions, and every single time I've picked at least two, if not more, um, because there's too many awesome people. We have too many amazing people in our tribe, and I just can't. I can't choose. So on this, um, on this exact episode, on this crowdsourced episode, we actually have three guests that you crowdsourced. It's technically four, but two of them are together. And so, sorry, I'm sorry, not sorry. I don't care. Um, they're, these are just some top-notch people, and you're gonna love to meet them. And they're sort of all over the map on why you chose them, and all their stories are super, super interesting. And so, um, I, I'm excited to introduce you to our very first guest out of the three in this in this episode. So, um, you're about to meet Tenoria Askew, and she is. So delightful, um, that I am positive you're about to become a fan. So Tenoria, um, she lives in, in Carmel, Indiana. Um, and she's the owner of Tenoria's Table. And so this is sort of an in-home personal chef service and she's so fun and vibrant and just, she's everything you would want in a personal chef in your home. Um, she does meal planning and take home freezer meals. She hosts private cooking parties for girls night out. I mean, are you getting the picture here? She would absolutely be our friend. Um, and She's her work is really, really deep and meaningful, which we're going to talk about. So um, Tenoria made it actually to the final four on season seven of MasterChef. So we're going to talk about that a little bit about Chef Gordon Ramsay and what is he really like. And that one time that he said her shrimp and grits were the best he'd ever had. So we're going to, we're going to talk about Gordon. And, and then what I really love about Tenoria, in addition to all this, um, is that she's Got a real vested interest in diversity and inclusion issues, and so we're going to talk about something she does called Unity Tables that you're going to love, and we're going to have all that information um, up for you. So anyway, I'm excited for you to hear our conversation, and and so without any further ado, I want to welcome Tenoria to the show. Good morning to you. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. I'm so excited. This is so cool. I am too. This is great because, um, so you and I have met, um, before a couple times at this point. So yeah. we met at Women of Faith, mm-hmm. um, in, in Fort Wayne, like two years ago, right? Yes. I made you give me three hugs at Women of Faith. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I like knowing that you're just going to go ahead and be extra, you know, <laughs> <so> just, extra. <laughs> <laughs> if one is good, two is better. Three is the right number. Um, <laughs> And then we just saw each other. We just saw each other a couple of days ago on the Moxie oh, Matters God. tour in Indianapolis, and I was so glad to see you again. Thank you. So listen, we're doing this series on food, and which I love. So you and I have this in common. We're kindred souls on this. Uh, and, and we kind of want to talk about all sorts of things, so not just the preparing of food, which is really just one part of it, but um, hospitality and the gatherings and health and just so much stuff. We've, we're have we sort of all over the the place on food. And so You know, every series we put this out to my whole huge like online tribe. Like, okay, we've we've slotted all these spots. Now we want to know who who do you know that we should know, right? Like, who who do you know in your life that we should definitely have on this series? And girl, your name it came up and it came up and it came up, and everybody just loves you and loves what you do. And once I peeked into it, I'm like, oh. She's amazing. She's absolutely amazing. Um, I I absolutely love your life. Also, thanks to Aaron Moffitt for nominating yeah. you first. Yeah. Um, shout out to the friend. So we're excited to talk about what you have going on with Tenoria's table. Um, but let's talk a little bit about just sort of what got you to where you are today. Can you give us
2: kind of a high level view of who you are and where you've been and what you've done? I've been cooking since I was six years old and it was summers at grandma's house or holidays Mm. with my parents in the kitchen. Everyone in my family, except my brother can cook. So, (laughs) um, that's just what I know watching my Mm -hmm. family have community over food. We were always the house that people came to for holidays and so on and so forth. So I just always had this inkling to cook. And finally when I moved out on my own, I started having friends over. It was my excuse to get people to come hang out with me. Was cooking. Totally. Um, and my friends started saying, yeah, girl, this is good. You need to mm. do this again or you need to jar this or bottle this and, or something okay. like that was always happening. And I have a passion for cooking, but I thought I was supposed to do my 9 to 5 career. Thought, you know, that's right. what you're supposed to do. That's the script. Um, yeah. And, you know, I loved the credit union I worked for. I loved my job at one point, but about, I don't know, 10 years in to my job, I decided that I didn't want to die doing it. I knew that it was not something I wanted to be remembered for. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it it was hard. I'm not a crier. I'm not a super emotional person, but I would cry on Sundays because I didn't want to go to work on Monday.
1: Man. Oh, Oh my gosh. So many people can relate to what you're saying right now.
2: Yeah, it it was hard. It was like that
1: deep-seated, like, dissatisfaction with where you're at, just knowing there's something more, something different, something better, for sure. Right.
2: And at that point, I didn't know that that was God saying, girl, I got Mm -hmm. something for you. I didn't know that yet. Um, And because I didn't know that and because I didn't think it was like, okay, God's saying you need to go do this, I had a hard time even imagining leaving my corporate life and going and doing this wild and crazy dream. Yeah. So um, about two years before I quit my job, my dad's like, here's some money. Go start your business. And did he really? I did part wow. Yeah. Like, I'm telling you, crazy, yeah. amazing parents.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: and so I did it super part time. It was like my side hustle and I had okay. fun doing it. Um, and finally, one of my friends one night posted on Facebook, I'm watching MasterChef. Tenoria yeah. should totally audition for MasterChef. They're making meatloaf. And another yeah. one of my friends says that my meatloaf is so good, he wants to rub it on his face.
1: <laughs> that's amazing. Isn't that Like compliment? that's my friends right there.
2: <laughs> right? Um, so, so what, she called my, you my, and my, said, I think you should do this. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I can't do that. First of all, I was like, Gordon Ramsay terrifies me. And secondly, I'm like, totally. I'm not good enough, was you know, what was in my head. So I waited a season and I watched MasterChef and I researched it and I tried to understand what was really going on. And, um, I saw that auditions were coming up a year later and I posted on Facebook and said, Hey, MasterChef auditions are coming up. I wonder if I should do it. And one of my closest friends knows my, my motto is if it goes on my calendar, it gets done. Okay. Put it on my calendar, so I kind of had no choice at that point. And two of my girlfriends came to Chicago with me. I auditioned, and my my life has not been the the same ever since that audition.
1: I can't even. I just, you know, that was a big deal for you just to pull the trigger on that. Yeah, That's one of those things that I think it's a, it's this big size sort of dream and risk that a lot of people have in them. But very few of them will go, I'm going to go for it. I'm going for it. Absolutely. And the truth is, what's the worst thing that could happen? You don't make it. You're not going to die. Uh, right. But, you know, you took that risk and look at your life. That's amazing. Can you talk to us a little bit about, about your time on the show and... I mean, he, this is quite a like formidable judging panel. I mean, Gordon Ramsay, I don't even know, girl. I don't even know Ugh. what to say. He's terrifying.
2: When he's yelling at you, what he's telling you is genius. Yeah. I, there was one time that he said something to me. And at first, you know, I wanted to like crawl into a shell like, oh, my gosh, he's kind of yelling at me. But then I right. really listened to what he was saying. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, why didn't I think of that?
1: It was good feedback.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you can get past the, you know, crazy, opinionated, kind of crass attitude, he is a genius. And when it comes to food, Hmm. don't mess up. Um, Mm -hmm. But he wants to see you growing. He wants to see you succeed. He wants to see you do well. And if you're not growing, if you're not learning, that's when he is kind of done with you.
1: I yeah. see. Well, yeah. he was into you. I mean, he said that your version of shrimp and grits would go down in history as the best he's ever had. I was done. I mean, after that's that. I was totally girl, done. that's just hang it up. You're yeah. finished. Yeah. That's that all
2: you needed. My very first time cooking in front of him, and I got that feedback. And I was like, wait a minute, is he telling the truth or is this just for uh-huh. TV? And they're like, oh, no, honey, he's telling the truth. I was done. Yeah, he didn't lie. Like, I was like, I don't need to go through the rest of the competition. Life is great. Let's just go home now because I was absolutely beside myself.
1: <laughs> so amazing. And you got all the way to the final four. I mean, you went I really did. far. Yeah. That's I so did. awesome. So uh, then what? Like, you said, you know, MasterChef was sort of a tipping point for you. What what did that tip forward Look, what did that look like in your life?
2: Yeah. So I had pretty much decided that when I was going out to do this television show, I was all or nothing. Like I told God what was going to happen. Of course that works great. Um, sure. I've done that mm-hmm. <laughs> I was kind of like, all right, all or nothing. I'm going out there. I'm going to win. My life is going to change. This is it. Well, um, God kind of chuckled at me as he always does. I think he just sits up there and laughs at me. Uh-huh, same. Um, <laughs> but, um, I came back to Indiana and I worked my nine to five corporate job for two months and decided okay. I was done. I, I, could, I couldn't go through the experience that I went through with MasterChef and go back to this nine to five knowing that yeah. it was not what I was meant to be doing. So yeah. I quit my job and Tenoria's Table had a three to five year plan. It turned into about a year and a half plan. I started doing it. I became full time doing that and I love it because it is a platform to help people. It sure is. And it's a platform to say things that a lot of people are thinking or hoping and no one else is saying. And so far, no one's gotten mad at me for it.
1: Girl, can you talk a little bit about Tenoria's Table? Just tell everybody what that looks like and how you sort of fleshed
2: it out and how it developed. I love what I do because I always say that I'm creating delicious memories. I get to go oh. into people's homes. I watch them interact with their friends and family and celebrate something and have a good time together. And I'm feeding them. And it, it's yeah. really, really rewarding.
1: I love it. So essentially like the nuts and bolts of it is that you come into any sort of any sort of private setting, parties, celebrations, gatherings, and you do all the cooking yep. on site. Is
2: that is that what that looks like? Yeah, I do it on site and it basically if you imagine throwing a dinner party, you end your day going. I didn't hardly eat anything. I hardly got to see the people that were in my home. Totally, And I take all that stress off of you. I've had so many people walk up to me and say, I got to have a glass of wine with my friends and family tonight.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. I mean, uh, I have been a part of a supper club for five or six years at this point. And um, one of the couples in our uh, supper club who's actually going to be in this um series as well at one point she she brought in like an amazing chef and it was such a great night because yeah. All of us were just present Uh and around the table. Mm -hmm. And of course, the food was like top notch. Mm -hmm. Like, what a wonderful way to use your gifts and to be a part of people's lives and their stories and their tables. Speaking of tables, um, you do something really wonderful that I love. So, this is this piqued all my interest. This is I dialed so tight in when I was reading this. Um, So, I guess every few months or so, you meet at different people's homes, and you either host or facilitate an event called Unity Tables, yeah. right?
2: Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I love this with my whole heart. It is my favorite day. Whenever I do it, mm-hmm. that's my favorite day because I bring a group of women together, and they are all different shapes, sizes, colors, thought yeah. processes, experiences, around a table of food, and we talk about what it looks like to love each other the way God loves us. It's um, good. And it's it's— such raw, uncomfortable, ugly conversation, but there's so much grace Um, and out of it comes laughter and friendship and these Mm -hmm. eye-opening moments among women. Um, And so I cook, I just, you know, whatever's Mm -hmm. on my heart to cook and um, it's usually at someone else's home. So someone else is opening up their doors and hosting and it's Mm -hmm. an opportunity for them to invite in people that don't always look like them. Um, And I am a firm believer that food is community um, and that food helps break the discomfort. Um, Mm -hmm. If you think about it, a lot of times when you're having any conversation, whether it's a difficult conversation among family members or whether it's an easy celebratory conversation, it's usually around the dinner table or in the kitchen. Yep. Great point. Um, And so I put food in front of people so that they can get rid of the fidgets and the uncomfortables and the awkwards. And um, I kind of facilitate the conversation. And there are times where I have to say, wait a minute, that's kind of why Mm. we're here and we're going Mm. down the wrong direction. Um, But I also get to say, oh, my gosh, I had no idea. Um, Mm. And it's so good. It is so, so good. It is so good. I'm just
1: convinced this is our way forward. I appreciate you saying the truth that when we're going to have this initial point of contact around a table with a lot of diverse people around it, different colors, races, ethnicities you know, beliefs, politics, all of it, it, it's very likely going to have some weird moments. Oh yeah, It might be a little bit hard. It might be a little bit weird. Thank you for saying that because I think women in general are kind of averse to tension. Mm -hmm. Um, but these are the moments that we sort of, we say we're going to power through and get to the other side. And there's so much good ground to be gained there. Um, what have you seen
2: around your unity tables? Like what, what, um, what, What are you seeing come out of those? There's a lot of empowerment that comes out of them. Mm. Lots of women are challenged and charged to do more um Mm. and and to ask more questions. I I just told one of my friends recently, I said, I am your person of peace. So um I would say ninety percent of my friends are not black, not African American. Okay. And so I want my friends to be comfortable asking me the really weird questions. Mm, so that's good. I have more people calling me and asking me questions. When there's something going on in the media, they're texting me mm. or calling me saying, I need help processing this. And they I know like they can come to me to process. And there's times that I need to process too, because I'm not quite sure how yeah. I feel about it. So yeah. we become each other's connection points. We become each other's um, comfort zone to ask those uncomfortable things.
1: So good. So if somebody was listening and thought... I want this. I want, I want this in my life. I want to develop this in my community. Um, what would you, h- how would you advise them? First of all, we're going to have all of your information on my website. So mm-hmm. we're going to have links to all your spaces and everything Thank that you do. And so people will be able to find out more about you. But just from a high level, um, what, would you, what are some top ways that someone
2: could replicate what you're
1: doing in their own
2: home? First thing is you don't have to cook. You can get some wine and mm. cheese. You can get pizza okay. and beer. It doesn't matter. Yep. Um, yep. Just, I strongly encourage you use food. Um, diversify mm-hmm. your table. The whole purpose mm-hmm. is to invite people into your home or into your space that doesn't look like you. Um, yes. but keep it small. Keep it intimate so that everyone feels like they have a voice at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, How many do you
1: like around a table? What do you
2: think is a good number? I always say whatever can fit around your dining room table, and that's usually 10 to 12 maximum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. we've had some larger ones where we set up two tables and that were, you know, the times where maybe someone didn't get to say something. Um, mm. appoint a facilitator, have someone that's going to be able to bring things back in. And that needs to be that person who's not afraid of the uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and start out the table by explaining that if you have your own agenda, this isn't the place for you. And okay. if you don't, have the space to offer grace upon grace upon grace this isn't the table for you good um so yeah and people know what they're what they're walking into they know that this is going to be a potentially deep raw conversation there's going to be opportunity for laughter and fun but the objective is awareness
1: by and large we're craving meaningful conversation around um, just sort of racial inequality and ultimately reconciliation. And we just need some safe spaces to do it. And this is exactly what you're providing. I just couldn't be more pleased to thank to talk about this with you and to make this sort of um, format available to everybody who's listening. Good work, sister. Thank really you. good work. Like, Thank, thank you. goodness you stepped away from that corporate job.
2: Look at you. I know. I know, right? Yes.
1: So listen, <laughs> whenever you are in Austin or the next time I am near you let's just let's, let's have a dinner date let's just oh put it on the gosh. calendar and you I know. know I know this now about you if it's on your calendar you're gonna do it
2: I absolutely so. will I will clear
1: my okay. entire calendar for you okay so this is going to be fun normally we ask a couple of wrap-up questions but since you have been on MasterChef and you are such a competitor you um, we thought we would give you a mystery box challenge. So if anybody doesn't know what that challenge is, the chef gets like four or five or six ingredients to work with on the show. Mm -hmm. And some of them say they do not go together. Mm -hmm. And you actually won one of the mystery box challenges on MasterChef, right?
2: Yeah. Do you remember what was in it? It was a Latin box. So it was Latin-inspired ingredients like jumbo prawns and cactus and corn, um, jalapenos and um, chorizo. Yeah, I was blown away that I consider myself an American comfort food kind of Southern cook, and I won a Latin challenge. Mm.
1: (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Okay, here's your uh, virtual mystery box. These are your okay. ingredients, and on the fly, you just tell us. All right, this is what I would throw together with these ingredients. So let's say that you had rice, okay, and you had butternut squash, mm. flank steak, Ooh. goat cheese, oh, and let's say black beans and romaine lettuce. Oh my! Too much? No, Wait, take no. Take one off. You- You can eliminate ingredient. That's your your special card to play.
2: I would only eliminate romaine because I don't love romaine lettuce. Um, Let's get rid of it. No romaine. Okay.
1: So rice, butternut squash, flank steak, goat cheese, and black beans.
2: So I would do – do I have like other ingredients to play with? Oh, yeah. You add whatever you want to it. I would totally do a chili spice rub flank steak, and Mm. I would do that over a smoky butternut squash puree. And alongside that would be a black bean and rice. Um, It'd be like super fancy on the plate. I'm imagining what it would look like on the plate. Um, And then I would make a cilantro lime chimichurri to go on top of the steak. I'm
1: dead. I just died. <laughs> I'm perished. I need
2: somebody to come resuscitate me.
1: Yes. That's why you do this. It is. Oh, I mean,
2: I, I wake up and go to sleep thinking about food. So, yeah. I am so excited
1: that I've gotten to introduce you to all my listeners. Um, also, listeners, everything about Tenoria is going to be on my website. All of these links and all of these spaces. So don't worry about it. You can go to com and find everything. Okay, sister. So next time we're in one another's cities, it's a date. Yes. Okay, it, thanks for being on today.
2: Be. Thank you so much. I can't tell you how much um, how amazing this is. Thank you. Thank you. Thank My you. My pleasure.
1: So, I'm positive that you guys loved to as much as I did. Um, just a joy and a delight. And I know you're going to want to follow her and check out her website and her work and everything about her. She is really, really fun. And you're also going to love our next guest. So, um, obviously, like I mentioned, I have no chill about crowdsourcing because you're my people and I'm so interested in who you really are. And so I actually saw our next guest submission under my Facebook post when I asked for nominations. And so, um, today we have on, we, we have Susanna Styles, who actually nominated her crew for what they're doing around the table. And so her crew includes herself, Susanna, and her friends, Elise Bonner, who's going to be on the call with us. And then also Elise's sister, Lauren, who wasn't able to make the call today, but the three of them have this really great um, connection and community. And a lot of their friendship is centered around food in a different way. Um, in a different way than anything else um, that we've heard. So like, they're all really, really, really close. Susanna, um, in fact, or Elise is a photographer. And Susanna had her take photos of her second child's birth. So like close, right? Like in the delivery room, close. And then obviously, Elise and Lauren are sisters. And they're actually from a small town, San Saba, but they live in Austin now, all of them. Um, And so they've just got this, I love what they do. You'll see, I think why I um, asked them to come on the podcast. In fact, I think I'll mention this to them in the, in the interview, but several of you said, can we hear from somebody who, um, doesn't necessarily love food and cooking as much as you, but still has to feed all these people. And I think that's what you're going to find here in this crew and what they, how they've, um, figured out a way to share the load, to share the burden and really multiply their efforts to get their families fed. So I'm going to let them explain all of this to you, but, um, they're, Just fun and they're funny and they're creative. And I'm telling you right now, there's going to be a bunch of you. They're going to hear what they do and you're going to say, That's it. I'm doing that. I'm going to call two or three of my friends and we're absolutely going to set this up because it's that smart, it's that efficient, and honestly, it's that much fun. So uh, without any further ado, I'm excited to introduce you to Susanna and Elise. Good morning, girls. Welcome, Susanna and Elise, to the show. I'm so glad you're here. Good morning. Thank you. We're so happy to be here. (laughs) Just a little podcast between me and you and some of our friends. Just a few. No big deal. There it is. (laughs) Susanna and Elise. Um, Let's give a shout out to Lauren, who's Elise's sister, the third part of your trio. She could not be on our call today, so tears. It's our loss. Hey, Lauren. (laughs) Lauren, you are with us in spirit Like you've chopped the onions with these girls, so you count too. Um, Lauren, in fact, uh, was just telling my assistant Amanda that um, she was confident that the two of you could quite easily speak uh, for her today. That you had plenty of words and voices (laughs) in her in her absence. Is she the quiet one? What are y'all's
3: personalities? Oh, she is definitely the quiet sister (laughs) for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She's our planner, our organizer. Uh, Yes. Susanna's our idea maker, gatherer, and I think I'm more of the ride or die. And when are we doing this?
1: Okay, (laughs) like that. That's like the perfect personality matches. I mean, (laughs) that like the three of you combined to make one whole person. Do you know what I mean? Like you just described the perfect person.
4: Yeah, we've been. I've been begging them to do because I know your recent Enneagram obsession. Yes. And and I'm a seven. Oh yes. She, I think Elise might be our three. And then Lauren, I'm guessing, might be our nine. Like the peacemaker. Yeah. Like she, you know, like executes everything behind the scenes. So it is like the perfect, definitely combination. Oh my gosh.
1: I love that so much. Um, I wanted to be, when I took the Enneagram, I wanted to be a seven. It's such a fun number. And then I just show up hardcore three. I'm just like, there's no way that I'm not a three, just such an achiever. It's so awful. But you know what? We get stuff done. It's not all terrible. Um, so, okay. So, Susanna, you were the one who sort of nominated yourselves um for lack of a better word when we crowdsourced this episode. Um when we said, "All right, anybody tell us who's doing something like amazing with food?" Um so first of all, you didn't ask your friends, right? <laughs> right? This is a surprise. We're going to be on a podcast. <laughs> I mean,
4: I you had such a beautiful list of comments. People were doing so many amazing things, and I was sitting here thinking, man, we have spent more time like avoiding cooking, and we've actually had a great time doing it. But for the rest of us out there who aren't like moving mountains in the cooking world, you could you could do this simple thing. Get together with friends, drink wine, keep your kids occupied because they're playing together and not have to cook every day. And it was kind of like a funny, I mean, I'm definitely thrilled that we did it. And it's something that means so much to me,
1: but it was not a
4: genuine (laughs) submission.
1: You know what, though? I love that you did because in fact, I had a lot of readers and listeners say, can you have just one episode where somebody talks about cooking because they don't want to do it. <laughs> like they're trying to find a way to make it easier or faster. And I just feel like you hit that niche perfectly. In fact, this is what you wrote when I said, give me your people. Who do we need to know? Who should be on the podcast? This is what you wrote, Susanna. My friends and I, my friends and I have found a way to cook together while we drink wine and our kids play so they don't bother us. Amen and amen. Um, we save money. We're able to feed our families home-cooked meals without actually having to cook every night. Sometimes it gets deep and other times we know... We're out in an hour and a half. High five and take off. We've made Jen's recipes, Shauna Nequist and Whole30 recipes, and we've basically found the secret to life. No big deal. I mean, really, really, really. It's so great. Of course, uh, our tribe fell in love with that. My team fell in love with that. Who doesn't want to know the secret to life? Um, And so... I I would like to hear you talk about this a little bit. Like, how did this start? How did this begin? Whose idea was this? Um, how did this How did this sort of emerge out of your friend tribe?
3: Um, well, you know, I mean, once we were all in dance class together, we were sitting there sharing recipes. And Lauren has a, nuti- a nutrition background; she's gone to school go for it. She mm. loves it. Um, Susanna cooks a lot. I'm just kind of in for the ride because I really don't like to cook. And Lauren and Susanna were sharing how Susanna's getting recipes and Lauren's sharing them with her. And Susanna says, you know, sometimes I just double my recipes and throw one in the freezer. And Susanna says, hey, why don't we all get together? We'll bring two to three recipes each. We'll triple them and we'll go home with six to nine freezer meals. Bam. Yes, exactly. Yes, let's do it. So, and that's kind of where the ideas start. And I'm immediately pulling up my calendar. I'm like, all right, I've got this date, this date, this date. So I'm like, totally. <laughs> I
1: mean, absolutely. I just told you guys before we hopped on the recording, I'm like, I wish you were my neighbors. <laughs> um, I'd be coming over with like my aluminum disposable pans and be like, what's for dinner this week? It's amazing. Okay. Do you always go to the same house to do this?
3: Well, yes. Susanna has recently uh, remodeled her kitchen and it's amazing and has a giant island that fits all three. So perfect. Logistic wise, her kitchen's always been best. And she's also our gatherer. So (laughs) her kitchen's best. And how
1: many kids do you guys have collectively that are just running around like totally unsupervised during this time?
3: (laughs) (laughs) I will say most days we just have the toddlers with us and that's four Four. of them. Four toddlers. Yeah.
1: Gosh! (laughs) no wonder you need this you don't have time to be in the kitchen
4: (laughs) no and you know as soon as you get in the kitchen is when they need your attention and I love that that that's when they you've got hot pans and you're trying to cook and sharp knives and that's exactly when they want to get right underfoot so throw them outside with their friends and let them go for it
1: Totally. Um, in my last book, in, in my last book of Mess and Moxie, I did this whole section called How To, and they're just silly. They're absurd. Um, there's sh- like how to do all kinds of things. And one of them is like how to find your missing toddler. Um, and I had a couple of ideas. Number one, go to the bathroom, look down. He should be right there. Um, if that doesn't work, number two, start a really important phone call. Look down. There he is. Yeah. Like just there's exactly. this just, it's like they have this radar to know like yeah. this is the moment I need to be held. Yes. Um, So obviously, how long have you been doing this? A year? Yeah, a little over a year. Uh Uh-huh. And do you have like a set? This is our day. This is the day we do it. Like I want to know the mechanics of this. Who comes up with the recipes? Who comes up with the shopping list? How do you divvy this out?
4: Okay, so the mechanics would be about, we used to have a set day um, or we would plan out maybe two to three months in advance. Like we're going to meet. We did it like every other week. We did it every other Mm -hmm. week. Um, and it just kind of depends on everyone's schedule. So, um, we'll put it down on the calendar for two to three months running. And then about a week before cooking day, um, one of us, usually me, will reach out to, uh, Elise and Lauren and ask them for the recipes and each one of them will, they will find two recipes Okay. And they will triple the ingredients because there's three of us. Yep. So that they, they email those to me and I have a grocery list to go from. And depending on, you know our budgets and our time limits that week. I mean, the easiest weeks we've done it. I just pop that list into Shift and yes. make sure that they're walking <laughs> in the door as we're pouring our mimosas and we're good to yes. go. Um, other weeks when I'm feeling ambitious, I might head up Costco and and do all that, just depending on you know our needs. But so what we end up doing is we it usually takes about an hour and a half to three hours, depending on prep uh-huh. and. Um, and <laughs> depending on uh,
1: if we've bitten off more than we can chew, I guess. Totally. I get this. Listen, I'm the queen bee of tackling ambitious recipes that take me 17 times longer than, the, than it tells me it's going to. 150 breakfast tacos. I don't know how we thought we were going to get that done. <laughs> totally. That's amazing. I literally spent
4: two hours uh, flipping tortillas. We get together. We do the meal prep. And then... Um, everybody leaves and I'll usually buy a lot of gallon size Ziplocs, the foil pans, um, so that nobody's having to bring over all of their dishes with them. And then we're usually wrapping it up by school pickup time when they have it's to the elementary school
1: kids. Yeah. So you mentioned breakfast, Hugga. so some of it, some of your stuff is dinner. Some of it's breakfast. You just make a lot of food that's going to feed your families for a couple of weeks.
3: You know, anything that can freeze. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's key, right? It, it's all going to end up going in your freezer? Yes. Yeah. And did you have to get extra freezers for this?
3: <laughs> we already had extra Obviously, freezers. we all have extra, an extra freezer in the garage, so.
1: Yeah, we do, too. We call it the beer and deer fridge. Yes. Like, that's where those things go. Obviously, after a year of this and doing this essentially every other week, you've you've made a ton of stuff. So what are, like, your favorite bulk recipes, the ones that kind of the, 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 everybody loves the most that work every time all three families are happy. You're not sad to make them again. Like what are your winners?
4: I mean, my favorite, favorite of all of our recipes, and I'm not just saying this because I'm talking to you, but it's that you've changed the name of it. When I first started cooking it, it was called, I think like red curry chicken and it was, it was less and Moxie. Oh, yeah. What's it? Pen- Penang chicken. Penang curry. Okay. Yeah. That is my personal favorite. Like, I crave that. I serve it with mangoes on the side. I serve it with salad. It's so good. It freezes well. That's a favorite.
3: And you know, the best part about that is is the difference in meals. That's something I would have never cooked. Susanna made it. I came home, made it for my husband. He's like, whoa, what is this? Oh, great point. Because you're all bringing your own ideas to the table, well, right? Absolutely. And I've never made any kind of curry anything. And so yeah. it, it was an awesome variation to what we cook every single week you know to mix it up a little bit
1: i mean if you're making curry your kids must be a little bit of adventurous eaters you're putting quite a few flavors in front of them are they are they down for this
3: depends on the kid are yours no not really um but i'm a big believer in i put it on their plate and yeah they try everything and if if they eat it if they don't they don't yeah Um, yeah and the upside to it too is that we're not
4: slaving over a hot stove only to have our kids reject what we put on their plate. Like, okay, if they didn't eat this, it's a freezer meal, you know, that we made and I'll eat the rest of it.
3: Exactly. Yeah. Lunches for the rest of the week. If they didn't love it, if they loved it, then it's gone that night. Yeah. That's a great
1: point. So you guys have mentioned that this, just not only just this sort of cooking consortium, but this friendship has been just a refuge and encouragement. Um, you've told us a little bit as we were getting to know you beforehand that basically every one of you has a a degree of stress in your life right now. Um, I know that you said that Lauren Lauren's married to a pretty busy musician. He travels a lot right on the road. Um, and then Elise, you're an amazing photographer and your business is growing and changing and you're doing some really different things in that arena, which is exciting, but also time consuming. Um, and then Susanna, you've, recently taken in a foster daughter um so can you talk to us a little bit about first of all some of the things going on in your lives what your lives look like and um sort of what this this friendship and this togetherness and this cooperation has meant to helping you stay the course well
3: you know as we get busy if it's hard to find time for friends and you're busy with your family you're busy with business um, so just the getting together as friends is huge. And to be able to accomplish something as well is great. You know, it's important for me because when I do sessions, I'm out the door right at dinner time, leaving my husband with dinner. Mm. Um I've really been my destination wedding has been growing and I'm gone for like four days at a time. Mm. And well let's be real, mom guilt is like for real. I know. So, to leave my husband with these meals and a way to get through it is great. Um, I feel good about leaving and he's got food for the girls. Um, My sister, a lot of times she's a second shooter for me at these weddings, the destination weddings. And (laughs) her husband, a very successful musician. He has a very new up and coming band as well. These on tour for weeks at a time, he goes to a wedding with me. So there've been times where my husband's left with five (laughs) girls to feed. It's just, (laughs) it makes life a little Mm. bit easier. You still, instead of busting out some chicken nuggets or a frozen pizza, We've got some good home-cooked meals, and life is simple. And in the meantime, we got to get together. We got to have a little bit of wine, visit, and, you know, it's a win-win. It really
1: is. I mean, even if you never chopped a single onion or made a single packet of food, just the time that you've carved out for each other is a pretty, um, a pretty big deal. What would you say, Susanna?
4: Yeah. I mean, I would, I would just second everything Elise says last year. Um, our foster daughter doesn't live in our house anymore, but she did. Um, she's 18 now, but I can say that having a, a totally different age group. So I've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and then we kind of had a teenager out of nowhere and that changes school drop-off school pickup. Um, the entire schedule changed. There was a, the stress level in our house ramped up, you know, 10 notches and I didn't, I didn't really have a lot of time for myself and I definitely couldn't leave the house very much because we were in that that transition and really needing to bunker down. And so having them come over, um, and bring the party to me, I can't even tell you like how many days (laughs) that just saved me. I mean, having them come over and like us cook together and not have to worry about another mouth to feed or how I'm going to get around that schedule was, was really helpful.
1: I love that so much. You're you're hitting on everything that I love. I essentially feel like what you're doing right now is you're dovetailing um, my last two series, which was for the love of girlfriends and now for the love of food, um, because those go together so beautifully um, in so many ways. It's worth it. Like I, I just know that some people are probably listening, thinking, I don't have time for that. But the truth is, we can make time for what we care about. We really can, and so like it's probably not perfectly ideal that when you do this, you have four toddlers hanging onto your knees. You know, it's not like it's easy, right? What would you, what? How would you encourage the women listening, thinking that would be such a service and a joy to my life, but I don't know if I can pull it off?
3: I don't know. I mean, you just you show up and you make time for it because it's worth it. You know, I mean, we're gonna find time here and there together with our friends. We're gonna find time here and there for a play date, and we're gonna find time to cook dinner. Why not yep. combine all three of those? It might not be the ideal time, but our kids get a play date, we get a grown up date, mm-hmm. and we have food that for weeks, you know, we only do it every other week. And usually those six recipes last us for a couple weeks, you know. So, I mean, I don't, I don't really know the key to finding time other than, you know, then make it. Then make it, yeah. 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 If it's worth it, you find the time for it.
4: I've had several friends reach out and I've done the cooking days with other people. We've talked about this where, um, if Elise is traveling a lot and they can't come to a cooking day, but I still want to do one, I'll call in a friend who's expressed interest in doing it before. Um, I've got another friend who is a therapist who's done it with me a few times. And she's like, this could be a form of therapy to be in the kitchen with your friend yeah. kind of a, a little bit sanctifying in some ways. It totally, stuff. But, um, one thing I've noticed is that people are always, I want to cook with you guys. I want to, I want to cook with you guys. When are you cooking? When can I come? And it's, Mm. we can't cook with 20 people here. It's just not comfortable. But I think what they're longing for is the community. What they're saying is I want that community. I want that, that belonging, that friendship. And, and it really does just require, finding those people in your neighborhood, in your community, in your church or whatever,
1: and do it. Like you said, at least just showing up, like doing it. <laughs> That's it. And I, I want somebody to hear that today. Like Listening in thinking that's special, you know, that would be great. That would be not only fun, but it'd be functional. And the thing is, all these great things, you just pull the trigger. Like just start yeah. it. Don't wait for this to fall into your lap. Don't wait for somebody else to have this great idea and invite you in. This is as simple as picking up a phone and going, Hey, do you guys want to try this and see how it goes? Let's just yep. try it for a month and see if we like it, see if it's working. Um, and just absolutely just pull it off. All right, I'm gonna wrap this up by asking you a question that I ask all my guests and it's it was uh, put put to the rest of us by Barbara Brown Taylor, who's an author that I really, really love and respect. And and so this is her question and you can answer it any way you want. It can be serious, it could be funny, it could be big, it could be small. Um, what is saving your life right now?
4: Okay. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about wine and friendship and fun, and that's definitely um, kind of keeps me from... Uh, getting too serious with life, but probably the thing that's saving my life, if I'm being honest, there's two. One would be Bible study, which is such a cheesy Mm -hmm. answer. And I've never, it's never been like a regular part of my routine until recently. And it kind of just keeps me, I've noticed that it keeps me grounded and it keeps me, I'm just reacting less and it's keeping me a little less stressed and I'm feeling more centered. Maybe how someone might feel after doing yoga or meditation or something, but I'm just not yeah. that, um, athletic. So, um, I'm really enjoying that and it's saving my life. And then the other thing would be therapy. And that's something that when you're doing hard things, um, Therapy just really helps a lot to get through it and to be operating it 100% and to be thriving.
1: 1,000%. What are you studying for your Bible study right now? I'm studying. I I attend the BSF and we're studying Romans. Very good. Just a light little little book called Romans. (laughs) It's so hardcore. Paul is so hardcore in Romans. That's awesome. I love both of those things. I'm a huge fan of both. Um, I would love to see women talk more about the amazing benefits of therapy when we just need some some emotional support. I love that. Um, That's fabulous. Okay, and how about you, Elise?
3: You know, my saving grace is pretty simple. It's the friends and family. It's at the end of the day or whenever we can find time to come together, to laugh, to enjoy each other, and forget about how difficult life can really be and just enjoy that moment. And then the next day always seems to be you know, more simple and easier it's to so true. just to come together. I, I'm really big on community. I know we didn't mention this earlier, but we come from a very, very small town and to be in the big city of Austin is sometimes so overwhelming. So to keep it simple and keep my community close and my friends close, um, you know, it makes, it makes life easy and saves mine. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't
1: agree more. That's my, um, that's my best and my favorite tool my friends and my family and often and close. Um, It really does. It really does solve um, the sense of feeling lonely or overwhelmed or whatever the thing is. I find that that is almost always a a quick and immediate fix. Hey girls, thank you for everything today. Thanks for hopping on. This is not what you expected to do with your, with your day. (laughs) Um, I love your story. I think a lot of women are going to be interested in what you do. So if you can dig it out, um, listeners, we will have, we'll post up some recipes that if you just need someplace to start, um, with two or three of your friends, we'll have some ideas for you. Um, in the meantime, great to meet you both. This was such a fun conversation.
4: It was great to meet you too, Jen. Thanks so much for taking the time. And I hope everybody out there uh, will take the time to spend some time with girlfriends today.
1: Love it. Have a great day, you guys. You too. Thanks. Bye. Hey, everyone. It's Jen. I'm going to interrupt the show real quick, just to let you know that my ride or die friend, Nicole Nordeman and I are hitting the road again. In 2018, on the Moxie Matters Tour. We cannot be more excited. The fall tour was just beyond so exciting and so wonderful. And we are thrilled to get to bring some spring dates to you in 2018. So, absolutely grab your girlfriends, your daughters, your moms, your neighbors, and come be reminded that every part of your journey matters and leads to this bigger, more beautiful story. Hey, this is the perfect holiday gift. Send this to your person and say, hint, hint, this is what I want. You can get tickets at moxiematterstour.com. We cannot wait to see you. So, again, visit moxymatterstour.com today to get your tickets. Okay, guys, I am positive that Susanna and Elisa's story was. Super inspiring in terms of, like, what a great way to enjoy each other's company, to have your friends, and to feed your families, right? Um, Fabulous. So my next guest is my... Like one of my closest friends, so I I just I mentioned when we start talking, like full disclosure, I crowdsourced my own friend um, because I want you to know what she does with food. It's so if we just talked about a really creative way to feed your families, this is a really phenomenal way to feed other people, um, and and also in line with kind of the theme we're, we're parlaying out here. Uh, my friend, Melissa Navarro, who's about to, um, to be up, isn't a big foodie. It's not that she loves cooking. It's not that she's always scouring recipes and it's not that at all. It's just that she is another person who is, um, using food in a really powerful and really profound way. Um, so Melissa and I've been friends for, um, I think about six years and she's in my supper club. So you guys have heard me talk about my supper club. We've been meeting for that long. I met Melissa for the first time at our first supper club, uh, which was six years ago. And her and her husband, Nate, she was pregnant with her fourth daughter, um, four girls. And uh, we have... I mean, it's ride or die now. So we are. We've we've now been together all this time, cooking for each other, being in each other's homes. We vacation together. We take girls trips together. Like this is all the way. This is an all the way friend. Um, and I just knew that I wanted you to hear about what she does with food and her home because it's so special. I mean, it's really, really so, so, so special and so unique. Um, uh, Nate and Melissa and their girls. Um, They've lived in Austin for years, and now they live in Belton where they moved in 2012. And so, um, I'm just going to leave it there. Cause I'm going to let her tell you what it is they do and you are going to love it. So this is my dear, dear friend, Melissa Navarro. Good morning, friend. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tickled. Um, thank you for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. Um, so you guys, you know, I mentioned it already, but full disclosure, um, like M- Melissa's like one of my closest friends. So, like this is the crowdsourced episode for the food series, and I crowdsourced my own friend. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you did.
1: <laughs> I know, and I mean, she won't tell you this, but Melissa like hates this kind of stuff. No, I um, do. we've asked before. Can you be on videos with us, or can you can you do some stage thing with us? It's like categorically no, right?
5: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, this is a Sorry. miracle. I know. It. <laughs> it
1: is a miracle. And I'm you know how much I love you. And I'm so glad you're on because, you know, when we were thinking through this food series, it's not just for cooks. Because, frankly, you don't love to cook, no, right? I don't. I, yeah, I'm just like, not great at it. Right. I mean, it, this isn't, like, only for people who are major foodies and take cooking classes and all that. You know, we were thinking about food culture in general and how... Um, we can use food to gather and serve and, you know, the hospitality aspect of it, the community aspect of yeah. it. And so nobody is better at this than you. Um, first of all, we already have a food connection because of Supper Club. Yes,
5: we do. How long have we been meeting? So, well, I was pregnant with Mary Jones and she just turned six. So a little over a oh, year. that's years. right.
1: Holy mother. I mean, I was,
5: I was largely pregnant.
1: You were. Uh-huh you were i remember um that was our very first supper club at the ox um so 6 years uh-huh. was 6 years we've been meeting 6 years plus um and y'all have heard me talk about supper club before but we get together um theoretically once a month um except when our lives are insane but and and we cook for each other it's it's four couples and it's just been one of the great joys of my life we travel together vacation together uh-huh. it's so it's, it's one of our best things, it right? Is.
5: It definitely is. Yes.
1: So food is already a thing that we have between us, but I'm excited to just talk about how you use food in a really, 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 really special way. So let's go back um, to when you were in Austin. Uh-huh. Melissa lives in Temple now, which is just a little bit north of us. But when you lived in Austin, um, can you tell everybody sort of about your Wednesday night tradition, what you had when you were here?
5: Yeah. I mean, it, it um, basically what we did is we had four kids. Um, Mary Jones was a new baby. Um, we both were working full-time jobs and just so busy and felt like there wasn't just like one night that our family was connecting um, that was consistent. And so we just decided to carve out Wednesday nights. Um, we went to the same restaurant every single Wednesday night. Uh, it was called Enchiladas de <laughs> um, we got to be friends with the cook, John, um, he went to okay. some UT football games with us. I mean, we, th- this was like our faces were seen at Y Moss every Wednesday night for four years.
1: It's so awesome. Yeah.
5: So we didn't veer from, that was just what we did on Wednesday night. We, none, none of us made any other plans. And if anybody wanted to hang out with us on Wednesday night, they had to meet us at Enchilada Zimas. So, and they did, and they, right. Oh, people would join you. Yeah, neighbors, friends, people in our city group. Um, oh yeah, we had, sometimes we'd have a table of 20 and then sometimes it would just be the six of us.
1: Mm. And so obviously, you know, I love that and feel really strong about connecting around the table. So yes. when did you move to Belton?
5: Okay. So we moved to Belton in 2012. Golly, has it been that it long? It's almost been five years.
1: Yep. Oh my gosh, that's that's a long time. That's longer than I thought. That's longer than my memory is telling me. So yeah. you moved to Belton and you thought, okay, we'll probably like replicate Wednesday night dinner. Yeah. And it just wasn't catching or connecting. It wasn't coming together maybe as easily as it did right. um, in Austin. So um, you started thinking maybe maybe I want to tweak the system here. Yeah. Like talk us through sort of that process for so, you.
5: So basically we were remodeling this house and I, um, that we're in currently. And I remember walking in there and just thinking what a great space for, it's just big and open and just to just host and yep. provide a meal. Um, what would that look like? Um, if, if different people in the community were invited to gather and have dinner together and get to know each other better, um so you know we had tried restaurants and we had tried a couple of different restaurants like multiple times and it just wasn't clicking and yeah. so I just I just decided I wanted it to be in our home.
1: And so then what like how did how did we get from that moment to what you do now, which we're about to unpack for everybody. And they're going to go crazy for it. It's
5: interesting because it's not at all what I had envisioned or what I had planned. So my initial, my very first text was on a Monday and I sent it out to, um, I don't know, maybe 10 to 15 of my friends. And I said, Hey, you guys, we're going to open up our home every Wednesday night. We're going to provide a meal. This is for the anyone in the community that wants to come. So grab your neighbor, grab, um, the homeless man that you see on a regular basis in your neighborhood. Um, whoever, just anyone is welcome. And then shoot me a text back. Let me know, you know, how many are coming and we're going to provide a meal. So that first time was kind of a hodgepodge. It was just, you know, some random people showed up and, um, it was fun. Um, but the, the, I think it was the second week I told my mom, um, who is the athletic secretary at Temple college. I said, mom, why don't you invite, like these kids don't have a cafeteria. They never get a home cooked meal. Why don't you invite the basketball team, invite the basketball guys over. And, um, so that was their first week at our house. We just had this, um, guys basketball team from Temple college. And I just thought, They'd come one time and you know, who are these like middle-aged people that want to have a bunch of college kids <laughs> and never come back Just hanging out with a bunch of moms and four years later. And all it is is temple college athletes. And there's about 50 to 60 of them on a weekly, basis.
1: every single you do it on Tuesdays, right? Sunday. Yes. Um, I, it's too much. Like, <laughs> uh, we're going to put up on the, uh, on my websites. If some pictures, mm-hmm. Of just you've got so many yeah, of Tuesday nights with the kids. Yeah. But I mean, you guys, like over the top, like I hope you heard what she said, fifty to sixty college athletes every single Tuesday yeah. at her house, like every sport, right? Yeah. they're all they're kids from across the board. yes,
5: it's um it is men's basketball, women's basketball, volleyball, softball, and baseball. <laughs> this is
1: crazy. <laughs> it's so <laughs> crazy.
5: So could you tell everybody a
1: little, it's so, it's one, it's my favorite thing you do. I know it's your favorite thing you do. Yeah, it it's, really
0: is. Uh, it's
1: amazing. Like, how do you logistically pull this off? Cause this is no joke. I mean, not only is this 50 to 60 people, they're hungry teenagers. Yes, they are. I mean, and they are, this is a lot of food.
5: Teenagers. They are hungry, many of them seven foot tall teenagers <laughs> right, and totally. they are walking into my house from practice. like sweaty and gross, hungry, just, Uh um, they, I mean, they can eat. So we cook, my mom and I cook the main meal. And when I say meal, I mean, these are, let's just, these are casseroles. Okay. They're I like, yes, I, I, I'm all about the casserole for these kids. So, um, I will Google like, um, casserole that feeds a hundred and then we like double that. So do you, we have to, I mean, these kids will eat like one kid will eat eight sloppy Joes. (laughs) So, um, I don't know
1: why it's so funny to me. Maybe because you just have all girls too. I know. Like, Melissa and Nate have, they have four daughters. And so that's just that you're feeding these giant seven foot starving athletic boys. It's just, it's the best thing. It really is
5: so fun. Um, so my mom and I cook, what I had to do is invest in, you know, those big like electric ovens, you plug them in and they, you don't know what this is to you. They're like freestanding. They're freestanding electric ovens, so okay. you. I plug them. In. I have three of them. They're huge, and I plug them in all down my kitchen countertop. And this is okay. Tuesday night. I cook. oh, they like sit on your counter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. I'm you following do that. You not have
1: one of these. Oh, is this important? <laughs> So important.
5: Yes. Um, okay, so I plug these in all down my kitchen counter and I make everything in those three electric ovens and then in my I have two ovens um in my kitchen. And so I cook for a hundred and my mom cooks for a hundred. And then it. And what I do is I've made it really easy for my friends um to help by just shooting out a text. This is what my mom and I are making this week. If y'all could just grab packaged salads, um, mm-hmm. a, a ton of like the little brownie bites, or they loved the soft sugar cookies with the icing, totally. grab a ton of those. Um, I have one girlfriend who just swings through Bush's chicken and picks up like 20 gallons of sweet tea and yeah. there you go. So your friends, do
1: they come and stay oh, yeah. or do they just, they just drive by and drop off? No,
5: you know, I have the same few that, um, stay every single week. I yeah. mean, they're there till till the bitter end.
1: So the kids come over at what time, what time do they leave?
5: Okay. They come over anywhere. They start kind of trickling in as they get out of practice. So, uh-huh. um, anywhere from five 30 to six is when they get there. And depending on if there's a big sport, um, sporting event on TV. Some of them will stay until you know. The other night there was it was opening night for NBA, and oh, yeah. it's like nine thirty at night, and I'm ready to put my pajamas on and get in bed, <laughs> and my kids are already asleep, and I have six basketball kids still in there <laughs> watching TV. So I said, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you all how to set the alarm when you leave. We're going to bed." So <laughs> I, I showed them, how <laughs> and to, you did. I, I showed them how to set the alarm. And when I woke up the next morning, they had like picked up my kitchen. They had turned all the lights off. They had set the alarm and left. I have no idea what time. That's so awesome.
1: I love too how the students are with your girls uh, and with your kids. Because now at this point, this is just what your girls know. That's all they know. This is just what you do. This is how you're going to run your house. Um, and so it's so fun to see them um, in your pictures all the time. Oh, just yeah, hanging out with a bunch of college students. Yes all the time. Tell everybody kind of how you do birthdays too.
5: Okay. So I have a whole list of all of the athletes birthdays. So every week, um, I look at whose birthdays are that week and I send out a text. What is your favorite cake? And I just do what, what I can to make it happen. I mean, these kids are away from home. Um, it's yeah. their birthday. Um, I, I want to give them their favorite cake and have everyone sing happy birthday to them. And so we sit around my um dining room table. I make everyone come in and uh, we all sing happy birthday to everyone. It's,
1: it's so great. I you know, obviously, so Jess, um, mm-hmm. Melissa's oldest daughter, Jessica, is a freshman in college mm-hmm. right now, and you all know that my oldest son Gavin's a sophomore. and so now now that I have a kid who, is seven hours away for me in a city where he doesn't have any family. Right. Like the thought of another adult right. loving my kid week in and week out like this, like celebrating birthdays and accomplishments and just saying, come over and I'm going to feed you and you're welcome in my home. Like I could sob. Oh, yeah. it, do you feel like now having a college student, has this even sort of intensified for you kind of the gift that you are to not just these kids, but their families back home.
5: You know, um, I think I actually kind of caught onto that before Jessica even went off to Baylor because what started happening is, um, so we go to these sporting events. So we go to as many baseball games as we can and as many softball games and basketball games and volleyball games so that these kids, see the faces of our family in the crowd, like cheering them on. And what started to happen is parents were seeking me out at the games, coming up to me and saying, you have no idea what this means to me, to her dad, to, um, I mean, they just, uh, and I started thinking, wow, I've never really thought before about how much this means to the parents that their kids have somewhere to go, you know, once a week. So
1: it, it's so precious. It's so powerful. I mean, and these kids too, I mean, they work so hard. They're constantly mm-hmm. in games and practices and there's a lot of pressure on them. It's just, um, it's so special. You know, it's funny because a lot of my listeners are just a hair behind you and I, mm-hmm. um, in the stage of life. And so they're kind of looking ahead to teenagers, even upper teenagers, early twenties, college sure. kids. And, you know, those kids have, they get such a bad rap. They I think they, they're they talked about poorly and um, sort of minimized and even mocked a lot in the way people talk about them publicly. But you and I are exactly the same in this because we love this age group yep. and we think they're interesting and they're smart and they're good. Like they're good. I think that's what I want people to know is that there's so much, um, goodness and in, in teenagers and college students. Like what, um, what do you, what are you loving about these kids about, about who they are, about how they are, what their generation is like, what it's like having them in your home. What's your favorite thing about them? You
5: know, I've told Nate this before. I think that college kids are so overlooked. Um yeah. we it's like we release them out into the world and they're new little baby adults and they're fumbling around mm-hmm. and they're trying to find themselves and figure out what they want to do. Um and we kind of make fun of them. We joke about how irresponsible they are and how I don't their frontal lobe isn't fully developed yet and they make poor decisions and I just, what, what I find when I really take the time to sit down with these kids and get to personally know them and talk to them, they are so smart and creative Mm -hmm. and kind, and they have so much to offer. Um, I, I cannot tell you how much better my family and my kids are for having these kids in their lives. Um, Mm -hmm. they're not stupid. They're not, they're not, um, irresponsible. I mean, that's right. And so I just, uh, I just love this age so much. I do too.
1: I love hearing you talk about them. That's my experience as well. And having other trusted adults besides your parents, Mm -hmm believe in you at this age and invest in you and listen to you. I, it's just, I cannot overstate what a big deal it is. Yeah. Um, this is the, this is the season in life where I feel like the village comes into play yeah. hardcore yeah. when they're young adults, when everything's in front of them, all the decisions feel kind of big. Yeah. Um, it's it's too precious. It's too good. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking about the people listening to you tell your story, Melissa, mm-hmm. because it's, it's so, fabulous to hear. What would you tell people who are, their interest is peaked. They're like, golly, I live, there's a college in my town Mm -hmm. or there's a, whatever. I mean, there's, I'm right here by this group of young adults or by this group of students. Um, but this idea of, of having something on a weekly basis to this degree, or even half to this degree, to be honest, feels overwhelming. Like how would you encourage them? Because, Listen, these kids aren't looking to be impressed, right? That's not part of the deal. Oh, no. No. Um,
5: You know, I just, it it doesn't take much for these kids, honestly. I mean, I have a sign in my kitchen, if you feed them, they will come. And it reads so true true because I can be having like a tight week and literally throw in a chili dog casserole, which is just the bun and cheese and the hot dog and they are so happy. Um, and it just, and I I mean, I would just encourage people to even start out with two. I mean, if you can just even get in with two and invite two over, it'll just kind of grow from there organically. Um, and it, it really does not have to be hard. They're, they're very easily pleased. That's the
1: truth. I mean, they're just like Brandon Hatmaker. When you put out those soft cookies with the oh. icing, he could eat like 17 oh, yeah. dozen. Yeah. So that's all. That's all he would need. Uh, and the students are the same way. And so, and then also you activated your people. I mean, obviously you and your mom are total co-partners here, but your friends too. So I think people are, this is an inspiring idea that a lot of people would be like, uh, I'll bring the sweet tea. Yeah. I'll bring the bag cheese or whatever. Yes. yes. Do you have any moments that you love, like a favorite moment, a favorite conversation, a kid that was really special, some story?
5: Oh, I mean, there's so many. Um, mm-hmm. You know, outside of the Tuesday night, and I mean, this is kind of a whole separate thing, but what I have done is um, I put a freezer in our game room and I have it just packed full of frozen foods. So pizza rolls, hot pockets, taquitos. And what I've told the kids is this is your food. So Mm -hmm. I feed you on Tuesday nights, but if you ever want to come over here any other night of the week, um, this is your food. You turn my oven on, you pop it in the oven. um, and, And that creates a space for smaller groups to come over or Mm -hmm. individuals to come over. And those are the sweet spots for me because those are, um, the nights that I really get to sit down and talk to kids one-on-one or help them with their homework or help them with, you know, decision-making, or they're helping my kids with their homework. Um, so those are the sweetest moments for me.
1: And they come, right. They do it. They come. I love
5: what you're doing. Thank you.
1: I just, I think it's one of the most special things. Brandon and I were just talking about it this morning in the kitchen and I was telling him that you and I are about to hop on the phone and um, he was like, I'm so jealous. It, you know, yeah. it's just such, <coughs> you've just carved out, such a meaningful space with such a specific group of kids. And I like that because I think sometimes, especially right now, the world feels so disconnected. It feels so angry. Everybody's screaming, everybody's separated. And it's hard to kind of know what to do. Like, how do we, how do we help the world heal right now? And it's overwhelming. And I think about your example, Melissa, because you picked one small group, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not trying to do it all. Um you can't open your home to everybody in your whole town. Yeah. You said, okay, i'm gonna I'm gonna work with college athletes. Yeah. And I mean, really and truly, you've created something sacred. It's so holy and good and healing and healthy. And it's just a good example to me that we don't have to do it all and we can't do it yeah. all. we can we can pick one thing and do it with all our heart right. and with all our might. and those are the people that we love. And I mean, it's so fun for me to think about these kids telling stories of this like 10, 15, 20 years right, from now.
5: Right. Well, and, um, you know, one of the coaches at the end of last year, he said he went around and asked all of his basketball kids, what are you going to miss the most about temple college? And almost all of their answer answers were um, the Navarros. Oh, the, the Navarro. Yeah. I mean, they it's, it's something they look forward to, um, every week and, uh, something that they all have in common. You know, a bunch of kids that don't have a lot in common love to come over and eat food.
1: Yeah, that's right. Exactly. It's going to work 100% of the time. You you feed them and they will come no matter if it's just King Ranch casserole or hot dogs. It doesn't matter. They're going to come and they're going to love it. Okay. One last question that we just kind of ask everybody on the way out the door. Um, And it can be whatever you want to be. Okay. It can be serious. It can be funny. It can be important. It can be small. Okay. Um, so what is
5: saving your life right now? What is saving my life? Oh, I mean, honestly, I think I'm not, I'm really not just saying, saying this. I think Tuesday nights, I mean, I yeah. am, it's not just my life. I mean, my kids get out of the car every single day. Is it temple college night? I mean, this is, Hmm. this is the night that our family is all home together and you know, Hmm. we're busy. We have something almost every single night of the week. And this is like a very Hmm. sacred, um, night for me where I feel safe and, and loved. And it just gives me so much joy. So
1: no, doubt. night. No doubt. I just, I can't wait for people to see some of your pictures um, that we post. So they get the full picture that it is literally a teenager in every corner of your house and home. I mean, it is the most fun, the most wonderful thing. I'm like so proud of you. Every time I think about you doing this, like my heart just swells. It's so amazing. Hey, thanks for being on a, on a podcast.
5: Oh, (laughs) (laughs) one. It wasn't that
1: bad. Oh, you did amazing. Okay, so you know I love you so much. Thank you. Okay, thanks for being on. So. All right, bye. Okay, well, I mean, you can obviously see why I wanted you to meet Melissa and hear what she does because I just, this is one of the most phenomenal human beings I know. And she is a good friend to me in this to this exact degree. Just a just a forever. Forever friend, just like this. She loves so big. Um, I want. We're gonna have a bunch of pictures over on my website about Melissa's gatherings. It's gonna be at jenhatmaker.com underneath the podcast. And um, but also, just so you know, if you want to follow what she does on Instagram, she hashtags all her pictures um, hashtag Temple College athletes. So if you just search that on Instagram, it's four years of pictures, and you'll get you'll really get the scope of how many kids, how many kids fill her house and yard. I mean it's it, they're so fun to look at and so just they just make me so happy and bring me so much joy. So you can follow her over there as well. So um, you guys, thank you for sticking with me to the longest crowdsource episode ever. <laughs> I think I could fill this entire podcast with just your stories because they're all so good. Um, and I just, it, they're, they're, these are bringing me so much life because just in a time when the world feels so dark right now and everything just feels scary and disconnected, I just, you keep reminding me all the time, there's so much good going on that people are still amazing and they're loving one another well and they're gathering around tables with people that are different from them and food is still this great connector um, across age groups and ethnicities and races and class barriers and across the aisle and across the road and across town. It's just food is still good news because it brings us together. And so thanks for, thank you for being with me during this whole series. Um, I hope that you loved it. I, there's so much good stuff in here. I can hardly think through it all to take it all away, but amazing people doing amazing things and um, just a reminder why I love this conversation so much, why I love this space so much, because I just find it so um, healing and positive and wonderful. So um, thanks for listening, you guys. Um, We are so grateful for you. This wraps up our series on food, which was fantastic. So listen, our next series, you're going to be really excited about. We're doing for the love of fall and holidays. And your our guest lineup is it's it's insane. It's actually insane. And we're, we're we're all over the place. We're talking about traditions. We're talking about gift guides. We're talking about boundaries and relationships as we press into all this family time, you know, for the next season. Um, we we have so much good content to share with you. And you are going to enjoy my first guest too. And I'm just going to leave that dangling because it's somebody that you love. Love, 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 love. So join me next week as we kick off for the love of fall and holidays. You're not going to want to miss a single episode. Um, And thanks for tuning in every week, you guys. See you next week.
0: Thanks for joining us today on the For the Love podcast. Tune in next week when we sit down again with Jen and friends to chat about all the things we love. We love you, our listeners. So we want to be sure you subscribe to For the Love with Jen Hatmaker via iTunes or your favorite podcast provider so you don't miss a thing. And if you have a minute, please leave us a review. To become a part of Jen's online community, visit jenhatmaker.com and sign up for her newsletter. It's full of all the things you love, including free stuff. We love free stuff. Thanks for listening and see you next time on For the Love with Jen Hatmaker.